welcome to the Gridiron Show Week 1 preview, but it's not really a Week 1 preview. We just should label this show the Gridiron Show. Antonio Brown, what on earth are you doing? Wait, hold on, you're probably going to win a Super Bowl ring. We'll also talk about the Julio Jones contract, the Tyreek Hill contract, and preview all of the Week 1 matchups for Sunday. This is the Gridiron Show. Sunday morning, the NFL season is here for real. Thursday night, a bit of a damp squib in terms of the quality of the game that we witnessed in Soldier Field. But now we have a full Sunday of football for you and cannot wait. Matthew Sherry is with me and he's feeling pretty good about life right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just crazy. I mean, this whole Antonio Brown saga has been one of the great soap operas. And I'm I'm not convinced it's over yet. I mean... You know, as much as I'm ultimately happy about the talent of the player, it's impossible not to worry about the what-ifs that come with the signing. But, you know, what's interesting, I said to you earlier, Will, Bill Belichick is the kind of guy that when when Hall of Fame talent ever becomes available, he virtually always takes the chance. Um, Randy Moss is a good example Darrell Rivas, the first time he hit, hit the open market. The, the fact is, is that the moment Antonio Brown became available, and actually even before that, everyone went, he's signing for the Patriots. In fact, anyone who's since claimed and gone, ah, oh, look at me, I'm a genius for predicting that Antonio Brown would go to the Patriots. Wine Janikin, 99.9% of people predicted that, and the rest of people predicted that he'd never play football again. No one had him going to any other team other than the Patriots. Yeah, and I think the big reason for that is that I mean, forgetting the off-field stuff, stylistically, it's a match made in heaven. You know, he's a great route runner. That's exactly what you need in that offence. Um, I mean, we don't know necessarily what he's like with option routes, but, you know, he'll pick them up. He's the he's the best receiver in football. I mean, and I'm not just saying that because he's signed for New England. But, but I've said that for a while. People do look at him as well, and they go, well, you know, he has so many problems off the field, that's going to be a problem. But what is kind of underrated about Antonio Brown is that when he is happy, yeah. he is also ludicrously hardworking. And so if he has decided that New England is the place for him and he's not going to keep playing up and he's happy with his helmet and his feet and everything else, then it will be a different story. It will be a case of he will absolutely work his backside off until he has got that offense down, until he's figured those option routes out. You look at the timeline of the whole thing. Uh, the the fact that after everything else we've known and seen from Hard Knocks, etc., the team fine him. He posts the fine letter online. They then say they're going to suspend him because of that. He comes into the facility. He has a physical altercation with Mike Mayock where he supposedly called him a cracker, although people around the team have since denied that. He then... Apologize. He then gets fined. No, sorry. He then gets fined massively, like a bigger fine, and has his guaranteed money taken away, which is part of his contract. He then apologizes to the whole team with the team captains by his side and says that, you know, he's everything's fine. He's going to work it out. He's going to stay for the team. 24 hours later, he's posting on Instagram requesting his release. He gets his release. He signs with the New England Patriots like five hours later after it becomes official, within 24 hours of when it first came out on the internet. It's absolutely ludicrous. That's all happened in about a six-day span. It's just been insane. You, you can understand why there are people going, well, 
We need to be looking into whether there's any tampering going on here because it's been such a quick turnaround. And Drew Rosenhaus has such a good relationship with the Patriots that there's almost no way there wasn't a conversation when it previously looked like he was going to get cut. I mean, the worry for New England would be that knowing the kind of guy Antonio Brown is, if there was tampering, he might just put his foot in it somewhere along the line. But I mean, yeah, there probably was. I think tampering happens quite a lot in the NFL. I don't think it's... It's uncommon. People lose their minds because it's the Patriots, and I can understand. I can understand the reason for that. You know, there's a there's a history of of, of infractions. I guess, or, well, certainly an infraction in, in Spygate. I mean, the other one was a bit a bit odd, ultimately. But you know, and there's also the fact that people are sick of them winning. I mean, I'd, if if Antonio Brown sorts himself out, this is the most pa- talented Patriots team in the Bill Belichick and Tom Brady era. So I understand why that doesn't sit comfortably with anybody who doesn't support them because, I mean, frankly, if Antonio Brown had been there since the start of training camp, I might be predicting that they'd go 19-0. There's been a lot of uh, conversation. There has been some conversation from Patriots fans who don't want him in the building, who've seen everything that's happened over the last month. There's been some very funny reactions as well. Uh, the, the like Stuff like people, uh, the thing about Belichick slowly closing the door at a warehouse full of 2011 helmets and saying, my work here is done, and things like that. This idea of it's the ultimate evil dynasty. And look, we joked about it straight away. Just cancel the season. If, if he isn't a pain in the ass, and if Belichick gets him in order, which you imagine he will do based on his track record, then honestly, I think they're pretty close to unbeatable in the AFC. And that's with as much as I like the Chiefs this year and as much as I actually think the Steelers with, you know, the new linebackers in are going to be potentially really interesting because the defense is going to be much improved. In fact, if anything, I feel like the Steelers have to beat them today as people are listening to this tomorrow as we are in New England literally looking out the window at TD Garden right now that's how in New England we are uh, I just the belly of the beast aren't we quite quite it just I don't know how they can't at least be in the AFC championship game obviously things can go wrong in a moment after that but oh I feel like it's going to be Super Bowl 7 this yeah, year I mean I feel like that anyway you know, I'd, I'd, you always do. Uh, not, not necessarily. I really didn't believe in them at all last year. I'm still watching back America's game earlier. I was still thinking back to how little faith I had in that team. But I mean, they are just loaded. I mean, two ifs. If Antonio Brown is fine and Josh Gordon is allowed to play all year, then they've gone from what people thought was maybe the worst receiving core in the NFL to the best. I mean, Edelman, Gordon, Brown. Yes, yeah, ridiculous. Astonishing. I mean, it, w- it was ridiculous in 2013. It's the fact is, is since then there's been ups and downs for at least two of those three players. Yeah. Uh, so it's whether that can be astonishing yet again. But you look at the fact that Josh Gordon hasn't had a huge amount of tread on the old tyres since then. Antonio Brown has and, actually and you improved look at Josh since Gordon's then. Josh production last season. I mean, mm-hmm. he did a good job. You know, and he picked up the offense quite quickly as well. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it is a it's a tricky proposition for for opponents because the other element is that I've watched a lot of Sony Michelle in preseason and he is going to take a massive step forward as well in that offense. They are just they have all bases covered and it's it's 
it's an outrageous collection of, of riches on that team. Between that and also the improvements on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, Chase Winovich looks like an absolute monster in preseason. Okay, against backup tackles, but I'm excited to see what he does against that vaunted Steelers offensive line tomorrow. And we, we should probably, I mean, we can start by talking about that game. We're going to be going to Foxborough tomorrow morning. We're going to be going over to a, a pal of ours who lives in Providence. Uh, Mike, who's going to be, we, we'll watch the early kickoffs there, then head up to the stadium. I think we need to get to the stadium early because the chance that Antonio Brown might be in town tomorrow and in any way, I I can't figure out whether they would do it or not because a big signing like Antonio Brown, normally you would unveil them. You'd have them come out before kickoff. You do a big deal. But I think the way this has all happened, you've got the banner raising anyway, haven't you? The Patriots wouldn't do that anyway. I mean, they don't even give big signings a, a proper press conference, you know. Do you think they will? That he'll be in attendance tomorrow. That he will be there. Uh, I wouldn't. The I wouldn't game. have thought so. I mean, he certainly won't be on the sideline. He might be. I'm sure he could afford a ticket. You know, he might be somewhere in the stand. <laughs> yeah, that nine million what had, what signing had, bonus, fifteen million for the year. Which obviously, when we look at the Julio Brown deal and Julio Brown, Julio, Ju- Julio <laughs> Brown, Julio, Julio Jones, the Julio Jones deal, and when we look at the. Uh, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Tyreek Hill. It's, it's, well. it's very tiring. And the Tyreek Hill deal, which honestly is cut price, for, cut price for his talent level. And they managed to get cut price because of the fact that he's been embroiled in everything he's been embroiled in. 15 million is a bargain. A, astonishing bargain, yeah. I mean, he, he's the best wide receiver in football. You know, based on current rates, you know, $25 million is probably what you'd expect. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a... I mean, there's... There's no negative, is there, for the Patriots outside of the potential off-field stuff. But and, know, and that he can't play against the Steelers tomorrow, yeah. which just would have been as it perfect it could have been, yeah. wouldn't it? Just to have him on the opposite sideline from Juju Smith-Schuster after all their recent beef. Um, from the other side of things, from the Raiders side of things, who have handled this entire thing pretty much atrociously, John Gruden comes out in his press conference afterwards uh, and says that at least he got to meet Antonio Brown. He never got that with Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack wanted to stay in Oakland, John. That wasn't his choice. You basically moved him on. Uh, I honestly, I very much, Ollie and I have both been negative on the Gruden return to football almost from moment one. I'm yet to see a single thing from this Raiders team, from the team building, from anything about them that has made me go, this feels like a good decision. I mean, he, is, he, isn't, a, he isn't a good team builder. I mean, we, we've learned that in the last 12 months. But you like to think that the, the, Mayoc, the Mayoc hire bears fruit. I mean, we haven't seen any of these young guys play yet. I, I thought there were a lot of good signs for the Raiders on the field at the end of last season. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you, have to, you have to say, though, fair play to Mayoc and to those guys for as much as it was a real mess the way this all happened. At least they I mean, structured that contract yeah, exactly. in a way that allowed them to they're get out of this. They protected themselves and they've used the protection. I mean, you know, it's easy to criticise them, but they didn't give up a lot for him. And the, what they ultimately decided was the juice was worth the squeeze. Similar to the Patriots, because it's a Hall of Fame talent, and that is exactly what he is. And I, I think that it's fair enough on the Raiders' side. A lot of the stuff has been ludicrous as well. It's easy to criticise how they've dealt with it. But... I mean, this is unprecedented levels of drama, you know. So I, I don't think they've they've made many missteps. I'm not sure there's there's anything they could massively have done differently, you know. It's just it's an unfortunate situation for them. But the the best answer for the Raiders is to go and win on Monday night. And if you can do that, then you know everything looks a little bit better. 
Let's talk about those other two wide receiver contracts quickly. Julio Jones gets 66 million over the next three years, a whopping 60. $4 million of that is guaranteed. Basically, a fully guaranteed deal. They might as well have just made it fully guaranteed at that point. Uh, Julio Jones signs through till he'll be 33 at the end of the contract. And uh, kind of immediate interest to it, you know, we already had Michael Thomas netting his five-year $100 million deal, obviously not with the same sort of guarantees, but it's the first close to fully guaranteed contract we've had from a non-quarterback and it does feel like there is a move in this direction. I think it's potentially going to be informative to the CBA of how that's going to be approached and how you uh, how contracts are handled going forward and a question over whether it is a move closer to the way that NBA contracts are which is obviously much better for players in a sport where you can get injured so easily. Yeah, I mean they're not all going to be like that but when you're dealing with, I keep using the same phrase, but Julio fits into the category again, Hall of Fame level talents and quarterbacks because of the significance of that position, you are going to see it more and more. And I think it's interesting. It's a three-year contract, and I think that'll be the trend. Reduce the so we length had with of Cousins contracts. as well. It was three years yeah, guaranteed, and, and, wasn't it? And, and they become fully guaranteed. Now, that isn't that. When you think of it in those terms, it isn't that groundbreaking. We see five-year deals all the time in which the first three years are near guaranteed. Yeah. So it's only the same contract, really, without the years, the void years on the end. So it, it's, I, I don't think it's as transformative as other people do. I think it, again, emphasises the value of the absolute great players in the league. But yeah, of course there's going to be value in those players. We all know what a great player Julio Jones is and obviously how important he is to the Falcons. And then Tyreek Hill. Talk about a, uh, a good weekend to bury potentially bad news yeah, i mean absolutely. there there was the fact that antonio brown getting a cut before even before the patriots deal was bigger news than tyreek hill getting an absolutely massive deal although as i said not as big as i think he could have been at 20 million plus quite easily in the same range as michael thomas julio jones if he'd been there but 54 million three-year deal for tyreek hill that's 35.5 million guaranteed i guess the real surprise with it is just with everything else that's happened, and I'm sure there's team-friendly ways for them to get out of the deal, if there's anything going on, like we saw with Antonio Brown, if there's any legal issues or anything like that, it is just... The Chiefs have gone all in on the idea of, well, there were no sanctions against him, so we're just going to go ahead and treat him like any other player. He's not going to get any kind of repercussions. Nothing's going to happen because of, allegedly, everything that went down. Yeah, I mean, he can he can get himself a lot of parenting classes if his kid's ever allowed to return to him with that money, can't he? It's just, I mean, it's just, it is what it is, isn't it? You know, it's a tough one. And it's a tough one because, you know, he's been exonerated, I guess, to a degree. And it, it as I say, it is what it is. I mean, it, I'm certainly going to feel uncomfortable watching Tyreek Hill play, certainly the first few weeks, because I, I still think that, conduct detrimental to the league he should have been suspended for some period of time but he's a great player you know he's another he's another he fits in that category with brown and julio if he has another five six seven seasons like the one he he had last year he's another one who could end up in canton i have a fantasy league a dynasty league where i have antonio brown tyreek hill and kareem hunt all on the same team i think i might be a terrible human being <laughs> 
Uh, should we get into we are sounding a little bit worse for wear today and apologize for that but we did have a rather big night in boston after a big week in in chicago and the city of chicago was fantastic thursday night football wasn't so fantastic in terms of the quality of the football before we preview the weekend uh green bay exciting to see their young defense step up their corners were excellent even though jair alexander wasn't the cheeriest of people when i spoke to him in the locker room afterwards but i thought they that side of the ball, they look fantastic. But that had as much to do with the fact that the defense looked fantastic as Mitchell Trubisky appears to have not taken a step forward. In year. I know it's only one, one week, but appears to have not taken the step forward he would needed to take from year one to year two. And that Matt Nagy's play calling was nothing short of a disgrace. Yeah, I mean, it, it might be in the flesh the worst offensive performance I've ever seen. Yeah. It was a disgrace. I mean, the play calling. Let's get into the play calling. I think they ran the ball 12 or 13 times. They barely ran it at all. In the and one of those was the scramble Trubitsky made on the fourth and ten. But, but also in the, fir- get- in the first quarter, they looked dangerous running the ball. I said to Simon Clancy, who I was watching it with, when they went 7-3 down, I said, I haven't watched Nagy. The danger with them is when they get behind, it didn't happen much last season, he gets obsessed in throwing the ball. And what I saw the other night was, was comical. Absolutely comical. And and there was some success in the running game in that first quarter. Secondly, David Montgomery is 10 times the player that Mike Davis is or ever will be, yet they were on the field seemingly an identical number of snaps. Montgomery's also great in the, in the passing game, didn't get him involved anywhere near enough in that. Had one big catch down the seam. And then Trubisky isn't good enough. At this, for where he is at this stage of his career, for what they paid for him player. as well, moving up. Yeah, to, he was the, to get him. He was the second or third overall pick. Second overall, they, yeah, they did that yeah, deal with the 49ers, the yeah. Team, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, big worries for me for the Bears fans, for Bears fans, because you're never going to win a Super Bowl, no matter how good that defense is in this modern era, with a, a quarterback like that. And and again, it's easy to just criticize him though. The play calling was out, outrageous, egregious. So many adjectives to describe it. I mean, it it, it angers me because uh, I, I hate farcical coaching, and 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 that was legitimately farcical. As for Green Bay, you know, you've won the game. I I, I enjoyed actually the fact that it was a low low scoring game. I kind of won one for the bit. purists. Yeah, is the way we would first say. game the hundred season and black and blue division and all that. But for me, there are worries for Green Bay as well. Because I thought the offense looked dreadful, and it and to me, and I don't care about the one big play, it was one of the poorest games I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers play. He didn't look comfortable for, throughout the game, and I get that the Bears' defense is really good, but for me, the signs were not great for that offense at all. It looked a lot like the Tennessee one, which it obviously will do, and I wasn't impressed by that. So for me, it was a great win for Green Bay. There were great signs about their defense. Although, again, I think the main issue there was was Chicago's lunacy. Yeah, they they played well though. The Smith, yeah, they did. Yeah. The Smiths were both fantastic in the pass rush. Uh, Zadarius and Preston. I thought the young corners and the young safeties. Adrian Amos obviously had the pick, but also had big impact on the game, both in the box and in the passing game. I. <clears throat> like there was a genuine impressive performance. I don't think Rogers looks comfortable under centre though. Maybe it's because you're looking for it. But I just don't think he does. The, the problem is, is that last year in the same game that opened the season up in Lambeau, he got that injury and he was forced to sit in the pocket and he 
played brilliantly from the pocket when he was basically playing on one leg. It's clearly something he has the ability to do. But it's like you've taken away his ability to scramble. And he did stay in the pocket a lot. I asked uh, Mercedes Lewis about this afterwards. Is that he stayed in the pocket a huge amount. But I said, was that a focus? Is that something they've been trying to do to take that away? And he said, no, Aaron Rodgers will still do what he has to win. And so sometimes if that means scrambling, if that means getting outside, if that means freelancing, he will do that. But we didn't see a lot of it tonight. And we saw it, don't get me wrong, we saw him connect with eight different pass catchers. And I do think they've got an exciting young group yeah, of receivers. Do, yeah. Someone like Mercedes Lewis is, and, and Jimmy Graham as well at this point, veteran tight ends who both are good route runners. Mercedes Lewis is an excellent blocker think, I mean, as well. The, like, the, there's, this, there's a lot to like about yeah, offense. Yeah. I thought the offensive line had a bad night. Both offensive lines did. It will be... I, I'm fascinated to see. They've got these really tough first two games with the Bears and Vikings. What's it going to be next? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just think that Green Bay could easily leave that kind of game feeling themselves a little bit when actually I think the, the result papered over some of the cracks of, of what you saw with that game. And even the touchdown pass to Graham wasn't a very good throw. It was just a good play by Jimmy Graham, probably his first in 10 years. Or however long it's been. Since wow, he was decent. I mean, it, it's yeah. been about three, four years. Yeah. But <laughs> I just wanted to exaggerate. Uh, we we sat watching college football in our uh, in our hotel room in Boston after we went to Fenway Park last night. One of the went to see Yankees Red Sox, one of the iconic venues. Good night out. Ended up in a casino weirdly a at four a.m. with with a man who initially seemed quite sound and I'm then relatively sure was a gambling addict. Yeah. Uh, we found out by the end of the night. Uh, but it does mean that we've had a bit of time to sit around and enjoy some football, enjoy some sport today and, and think forward to Sunday because I think what we're going to do, we're going to have a quick breakthrough of the Sunday games for you. We'll run through uh, each of them and, and give you an idea of what we like from each game. And then we're going to... After the game on Sunday night, we'll record a review of that game, the one we're at. Maybe we'll talk through the other Sunday games and then we'll preview the two Monday night games there. So we'll have this podcast this morning, Monday, Sunday morning, then a podcast for you Monday morning, which will be reviewing most of it. And then I think in our later week podcast, we'll do a, uh, we'll do a look back on Monday night football as well. Because we've got, don't forget, we've also got the NFL 100 podcast, which if you've not listened to it yet, is I'm genuinely proud of it. I think it's yeah, fantastic. It's, it's really, awesome. really good. We'll have the college podcast as well. So there's still lots of other stuff to tuck into from Gridiron. Uh, oh, and go follow us on Instagram at UK Gridiron because uh, we need to get to 2,000 followers. So Josh stops asking me to get us to 2,000 followers because <laughs> I, I, I'm not good at Instagram. It's not something I can do particularly easily. Fill the trolley with your favourite brands on rollback at Asda. A 38-pack of Fairy Non-Bio Capsules was £8.50, now £5.75. And Lenore Gold Fabric Conditioner was £4, now £2.50. Big brands, small prices. Don't compromise. Asda. Save money, live better. Selected stores subject to availability. Lenore, 1.925 litres. Ends 18th of March. You're listening to The Good Iron Show. Will Gavin, Matt Sherry in our hotel room in Boston watching ridiculous college football plays like a 96-yard flea flicker? Because, you know, big, big why not? Big to Colorado for that one. <laughs> um, we've talked all about the AB move. We've talked all about those wide receivers. Uh, we didn't actually mention while we're talking about the Patriots, uh, Jonathan Jones' new contract, which is also broken today. Uh, Seven million a year for a guy who is excellent. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's one of the best. Slot corners in football, and and actually, 
played safety for most of the snaps in the Super Bowl. So very versatile as well. Um, Duke Dawson, the second round pick from Florida, was he, he, he has never played a regular season game for the Patriots and they released him because of how good this guy is. And and yeah, based on based on the way the slot corner market's exploded recently, I think they've got themselves a good bit of business. But that's that is the value in getting a, a, a good player as an undrafted free agent because, you know, they play in the league for a couple of years, don't make any money and are, are then desperate to sign a, a new contract. So should we look forward to the weekend then? For each game, we're going to pick something from each team that we're looking out for, something that we want to see from that team and what we're going to... A lot of them will be similar, I imagine, because it'll be about new signings, new coaches, etc. But we'll start off with what is the, the 6pm game on Sky and, and who would have thought that the game, one of the games people are most intrigued about seeing, if I'd asked you this, said to you two years ago, the biggest 6pm game of week one of the 2019 season is going to be Titans-Browns. You'd have slapped me, told me to stop doing my job and go and find a different industry to work in. But here we are. The Browns, the Browns are the big reason, really, aren't they? Because Cleveland's, whether it's how Odell Beckham is going to look, how those extra draft picks are going to look, what Baker Mayfield looks like with another year. under People are expecting this team to be a 10-plus win team. And so I think they need to hit the ground running quickly against Tennessee. Yeah, and I can't think of a rookie head coach who's got... I mean, I can think of ones who have harder situations because, obviously, not all have teams as talented as this Cleveland one is, but there there is a lot of pressure on Freddie Kitchens, and I feel like if they don't start the season well, it could go south pretty quickly. Um, For me, it's just a question of how are they going to handle it. I mean, to listen to them talk, you'd think they'd already won five Super Bowls, so... You know, at some point they have to back that up on the field. So yeah, I mean, I think with Cleveland, we know these guys are talented. Um, it's it's can they back up their their words? And I guess the worry would be an offensive line that I'm sure with the Tennessee will will target early and often in the game. Uh, Mike Vrabel, second season as Titans head coach. It's still Marcus Mario to the big question mark for yeah. me. Potentially the next quarterback to get his big deal, next big deal but also potentially the next quarterback to find free agency. Because yeah, I mean, honestly, he, he also, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets pulled in this game and they put Tannehill in, you know. I think it's on, I think it's on a knife edge for Mariota now. Um, I still think he's really talented, but, you know, at some point he has to do it. And also he has to stay healthy. I mean, he is one of the most injury-prone quarterbacks I can, I can remember. That's our kind... I was very close to picking the Titans. Like, really? Game. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think the Titans are a good good football team. And I could see Cleveland being in a situation where they don't back it up at the start and they get a they get an early shock. I think the Titans are a good team. I mean, that, that, that whole division, the AFC South, is loaded. On gridiron pick them. I have taken the Browns, though. Yeah. And you can go and do the same. I might change Share on I Twitter. Here we go. Here we go. Getting into it early in the season. Yeah, right. Trying to get an advantage early on. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens travel to Miami <clears throat> after, and we haven't really done a, a mainstream NFL podcast since that big trade last weekend, but Miami absolutely looking like they are moving away from even attempting to win this yeah. season. Uh, and Baltimore, we talk about the AFC South being a team, a division loaded with teams. The Ravens, with their re-up on defense and with the, the picks they made this year, I, I think they'll be a good team again. Yeah, I mean, I have no interest in saying anything about the Dolphins. So um, I know we're going to try and pick something for each, but not interested. So the Ravens to win heavily here. 
The only thing that could stop them winning is Miami is a difficult place to win in September for a road team, especially one from a, a cold weather environment. You know, if you look back at the the history of it, that it's a it's a it's a really tough place to go and win. I can think of the Titans game there, start of last season. So that's the only thing that's in Miami's favour. But yeah, I mean the Ravens should win. And it, what could be in what uh, the Ravens' offense is fascinating to yeah, me. Yeah, I, I I was going to say my thing this week is that I wish they were playing a decent defense yeah. with some talent on it because I want to see what the story is on Lamar Jackson with tape with some time to see how they run the ball with him, how they've adapted the offense to make it unpredictable. And how much are they going to run the ball with him? You know, you've heard conflicting versions of what we're going to see from Harbour and Jackson himself over the off-season. That's interesting. I also think the defense is interesting. They've lost a lot of defensive talent and gained one of the other Hall of Fame-level players in the league in L. Thomas. So... I think I think interest on both sides of the ball for Baltimore, but perhaps we don't see it play out because Miami aren't a good enough team to to provide insight on that. So we'll move to Minnesota. The Atlanta Falcons go to I mean, Minnesota this is the Vikings. Actual game yeah, the this is this window. is yeah. Uh, I understand why Titans Browns has gone yeah, yeah. the level of interest it is. These are two teams who, in an NFC which feels absolutely loaded this year. If anyone was picking these teams to go to the NFC Championship game, I wouldn't call them mad. No, I would put... If, I, if, you, had to, if you said to me now, name your five best NFC teams, I think both of these would be in my five. I think the Vikings are, are the team who people are sleeping on. And based on what I saw on Thursday night, for me, are the favourites to win the NFC North. I, I just think they've got, they've got all bases covered. And what I'm fascinated to see is what their offence looks like because there is nobody a bigger fan of Gary Kubiak than me on this planet. As an offensive schemer, I think he's absolutely brilliant. I actually think he were like, in theory, on paper, him and Kirk Cousins is a really good match. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. I mean, the, the quality of his arm, the, the, his... Who, who, who loves Kirk Cousins? Who loves him? The Shanahans. Yeah. I mean, that was his offensive coordinator when Denver won the Super Bowl. Gary Kubiak was Denver's coordinator when Mike Shanahan... Won the Super Bowl. Mike Shanahan, who, by the way, should be coaching in the NFL still. It's a disgrace that he isn't. <laughs> As a side point, I'm writing the chapter on the book about Denver, Green Bay at the moment, which is one of the 20 games. And I think it's a travesty that he isn't still coaching in the NFL. But Kubiak is the extension of him on the field and a Super Bowl winning coach himself. I mean, it's a huge get for Minnesota to get him in the building. And I'm fascinated to see how it looks. And then we've got on the other side of the ball, a team whose season was almost ripped away from them before it even began last year, losing both starting safeties, losing so much talent from a defence which looks like a great unit on paper. But there's just part of me that thinks since that first season under Dan Quinn where he had Kyle Shanahan and where he had, you know, a bit like the Eagles team that actually beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, the coaching talent was there at every single tier. I'm yet to see a great Dan Quinn coaching performance really since that yeah. season. They lost so their mojo, didn't they, yeah. on that night? Yeah, and whether it's they can take that level of talent, which is clearly there, and the Falcons have got... a. You know, if you're playing Madden and you're just putting these two teams up against each other based on talent, but with the same person playing with them, Falcons, in theory, top to bottom, are a better team, but I just don't know if the coaching is there. Yeah, and I mean, they've changed all of the coaching staff except for mm-hmm. except for him so that's going to be interesting you know last season I think I picked them to go to the Super Bowl last season and then if if you asked me to name the two most important players on Dan Quinn's defence the 
the way it's that zone defense that's predicated on speed, I would probably say Keanu Neal and Deion Jones. Oh, now, Deion Jones. To lose both of those guys for the start of last season was a, just a catastrophic blow to their chances. So I don't think you can read anything into what we saw last season. It's interesting that, you know, the offense goes back to what it was pre-Shanahan. I find that interesting, but... Matt Ryan, to me, hasn't looked that comfortable the last couple of years, even though he's played quite well. So to get Derek Cotter back in the building and have that comfort level for him is interesting. But yeah, I mean, I just think the Falcons are one of those teams that's loaded on both sides of the ball. Getting the Julio contract done obviously helps as well. I think this could be an amazing game, and it could easily be an NFC Championship preview. Taking two offensive linemen in the first round as well, yep. looking at what their issues were and fixing them, and Matt Ryan can stay healthy in the pocket. And Thomas Dimitrov, I mean, as a talent builder, as a team builder and a talent evaluator, is, is one of the best in the league. I mean, they are seriously loaded. And and what I love about it is the way you can you can see how the players fit the scheme. Like, you know, Neil is a good example. Deion Jones is a great example. Players who fit his coach's scheme. And, and at some point, I think this run in Atlanta should should get, bring a Super Bowl and they've got every chance this year. I have taken the Minnesota Vikings as the home team because much yeah. like like a three-point line in Vegas, yeah. when there's two teams I like, I think the more settled team who have the consistency of the coaching staff, etc., are the one that I like. And, and, and a, a great point, I think, is... When a team has, has changed their, their, their identity so much in an off-season, and I get that for like Ryan, he, he knows the cutter system and stuff, what you often find is they spend so much time installing these concepts in the off-season that little things like situational football, which based on what we've seen of Dan Quiddy isn't amazing anyway, that those are the issues. So in close games, which we think this will be, that could be a key difference early in the season. Now, in the race for who's going to finish second to the Patriots in the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills travel to New York to take on the Jets. I mean, the Jets, there's a, the, the reasons to be excited, I guess, are relatively obvious. You add the likes of Le'Veon Bell to an offense that already started to get going last year. Then you add in a new coach that, in theory, should work well with Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell, although I still, I still believe he's a great coordinator, not a good, good head coach, uh, based on what we saw in Miami. Uh, there's this and a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. There's a lot of reasons to be excited about the Jets. The Bills are one of those teams that, I mean, we're talking about how I feel about the 49ers going to this season. If the Bills finished five and uh, yeah. five and 11, or if they finished 10 and six, any end of that scale, I wouldn't actually be yeah. that stunned. I love everything the Bills have done in the last couple of years. I think I like the relationship between Brandon Bean and, and, and McDermott. The coach, I like the way, again, you can see that symbiotic relationship. The issue for me is I think they got the quarterback wrong, who they selected, and that is a, a massive issue. I actually think McDermott is the best the, the, the best young coach in football that nobody talks about, and and I think there's been some great signs in the last two years for them. But, I, I mean, I, that, and that brings me on to the question mark, is Josh Allen a good enough quarterback? And, and we'll begin to get answers immediately you know that's 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 an ideal measuring stick for him because the Jets have talent on defence but you would think that if he improves he should be able to move the ball and if you like defence we've got two of the most exciting rookies in the draft from a defensive perspective going uh, well not literally head to head but Quinn and Williams uh, at the Jets and for the Bills Ed Oliver so seeing some yeah, nice I mean, internal I, pressure I'm excited I think based on what we've seen in pre-season and, and the word out of both uh, Oliver's ahead 
in mm-hmm. that at the moment. I think Williams has struggled um, a lot more than, than than perhaps was expected. So yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting. And then you've got the the very combustible Greg Williams, oh. the Adam Gase axes, and we start oh, to just... see how that plays out as well. Yeah, it's going to be a match made in something. I'm yeah. not going to say heaven. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to talk about uh, all NFC. <laughs> Tossing up a lot of divisional clashes in the first round this year. I've al- I always, I don't have as big a beef that some other people have with this. Like I know, uh, like Dave Damashek absolutely despises the fact that they run divisional matches in the first round of games. But there is part of me that's like, it's the first week of football. We've been so excited for it to come back that you could put Titans against Browns from three years ago on prime time, and we'd be excited about yeah, it. Absolutely. <laughs> so maybe we don't need to shoot our load on some of these. But we have got Washington heading to Philadelphia. For me, if you were talking about the top five teams in the NFC, the Eagles would be in my I five I did them. And uh, maybe the least talent-rich NFC team? But possibly, yeah. If you're including coaching as well? Yeah, it definitely <laughs> could be Washington. I mean, I, there are some pieces I really like on that team, but it's just so dysfunctional, isn't it? The whole mm-hmm. the whole operation is dysfunctional. I guess the question with them is how quickly does Dwayne Haskins play? But I don't I don't think he'll play in week one. Um, I don't think you want to play him in the first. They've got a tough first yeah. three or four weeks. Actually, protect him a little bit over that time. Similar with the Giants, especially without a left. Well, without your superstar left tackle. I mean, yeah, it's it's a mess. I mean, and then the Eagles for me is can Carson Wentz become? MVP yeah. level Carson Wentz from two years ago. And, um, you know, that isn't a given. No, not at all. When you've had the not. injuries that he's had, it takes a little bit away from someone. In that they start to think about it, they're maybe not playing as freely, and, and he kind of needs to not be playing as freely because I think that's the issue a lot of the time. So, yeah, we need to see what that looks like. I think not having Nick Foles in the building is, is bad in case he gets injured, but actually quite good for Carson Wentz as well. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs head to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. I'm very aware of skipped a game. Don't you worry, but I'll go back to it. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs go to, I saw your little look, uh, go to the Jacksonville Jaguars, the game that uh, Josh and John are going to be at for Gridiron. Uh, obviously, I mean, the Jags, is, it's relatively obvious. That this game is great. This Colorado-Nebraska game is insane. <laughs> it's been unbelievably good. It's, it's just gone 31-31 with 40 seconds left on a 40-yard touchdown. Fantastic. Uh, Chiefs-Jaguars, from a Jaguars perspective, uh, Josh Allen apparently has absolutely been tearing up it was, the preseason. It's still amazing it's, it's he fell. It's been disgusting how uh, good he's been. Um, so I think the defensive side of the ball, we're expecting them to be good, maybe not two years ago good. It's what... Nick- Why wouldn't they be two years ago good? Well, two years ago they it's were. Exa- it's exactly the same team with Josh Allen. Okay, but I'm just asking. I mean, maybe not, but... Ngokwe Allen with Campbell inside... Is the best defensive line in football by a mile? I think San Francisco might test it. But we'll go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. And we'll get on to that in a bit. Uh, but it's Nick Foles. It's that offense. It's how it's going to look. It's whether or not they can protect him. It's whether or not he can do it without anywhere near the same level of weapons he had around him for those two playoff runs with the Eagles. It's, you know, you've invested big. You've got lots of dead cap space from your stupid Blake Bortles contract. I think, I think the... The bounce back player of the year, which isn't an award, but let's just claim it, is going to be Leonard Fournette, who to me is still one of the most talent, talented running backs in football. Um, so I think that helps. And I think if Folds can be half decent, this is another game where I might pick the Jags. For a reason I alluded to earlier, it's very difficult to win in Florida for a road team early in the season. 
who isn't necessarily used to the heat. So I think that the Jags hold a lot of aces in this game. The only question with the Jaguars, as it was last year, is can they sort out the the, the egos in the locker room? Because, I mean, the talent on that defence is utterly ridiculous. I mean, they've had the hit with... Um, What's he called? The, the non-miles Jack linebacker who... The, the non-miles Jack yeah, linebacker, who, Telvin. Yeah, Telvin Smith. So they've had a hit there with him retiring. But... Um, well, no, 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 no. Not retiring. Taking a year out. Yeah. He's, he's gone on a gap yard. That's what he's done. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's currently backpacking through Nepal. Uh, he'll be back in, in 12 months' time, or at least he claims he will be. Uh, we'll have to wait and see if that is the case. But, but I, I, I'm in the Jags. The, the Jags could easily be a serious AFC contender. They're a bit like the Bills and the 49ers. It could be 4-12 or 12-4. and 4. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised either way. But it could be a big statement for them. If they win that game in week one, that's a, that's a launch pad for, for what could be a really good season. I don't see how the Chiefs have got any worse than last season. No, I mean, I, I would say their defence is kind of the same. Like it, Which is what was the big problem before and actually it needs to improve. I think but... Honey Badger's a good signing because I think he... I think he has now passed all the injury issues he had in terms of he was obviously on the field, but I don't think he was necessarily always comfortable and healthy, but thought he made great steps at the end of last season. So I think he helps, but yeah, I mean, they're going to have to score a lot of points to win games again. I missed Rams at Panthers. I'm just, like Rams defensive coordinator for the Chiefs that yeah that's that's potentially could be something that, that is telling I'm taking the Chiefs but I can understand why I take the Jags with that road trip uh, cross country week one I just think if it because it's week one that's surely what you've been preparing for more than anything else Rams go to the Panthers I mean I'm going to keep saying it the NFC is absolutely loaded because yeah. I'm not sure the Panthers are in my top five NFC teams right now but if they went to the Super Bowl I wouldn't be that surprised yeah I, I agree I mean I think they they're kind of the forgotten team. We we were that NFC South is absolutely fast. Yeah, it's those crazy. Three teams, by the way, because it is an only well, three so team the division. AFC and NFC South. I mean. yeah. yeah, and and then even the worst team in the NFC South have one of the best head coaches in football in Bruce Arians coming back. You know, the Panthers are fascinating. I was at the game against the Steelers that started the horrific run last season, and I think they were four and one going into that game. Now Newton had a serious injury that affected him for the remainder of the year. If he's healthy, Ron Rivera's defence is generally really good. The Panthers could easily catapult themselves back into that NFC top table. And similar to the Jags, this would be a great statement win in week one. And, the and similar to the Jags, it's another... St I mean, we're watching Clemson, Texas A&M, and the lads have been there today. It's 38 degrees, and that's obviously in Carolina, Clemson, there today. If it's like that again tomorrow... You know, that that is a factor in these games. And, the and the, I know this is uh, like some people will overrate this factor at times, but also add to that the fact that we've just had a hurricane rip through the area, add that emotional level Absolutely. to it. Remember what it was like with Houston after that Katrina, happened there you know. and with Katrina, exactly. So uh, you're kind of swaying me towards switching my pick to the I mean, Panthers. I, I might switch all of these uh, picks <laughs> I'm talking about. The Rams, the fact is, is that it's how do you recover from putting up three points in the Super Bowl yeah. when you had previously an offense that was putting up 40 plus points yeah. every single week. Um, I think that the Todd Gurley, like the, the problem with the Rams is that obviously we need to know how Todd Gurley's knee is. We need to know how Jared Goff's mind is, but they are one of the teams who have moved into this new trend of literally not playing your starters when at all in preseason. Yeah. And they, yeah, 
pretty much the team that kicked it off. So Sean McVay, I still believe, as we, we were discussing this on TalkSport the other day, if there is somebody who is a candidate as the new Bill Belichick, as the guy who I could believe. be, it's him. Yeah. But what's he going to get out of Jared Goff after that game? What are they going to get out of the running game after that game? Daryl Henderson, they like a lot, the guy that they drafted this year. So there's a lot of question marks around them on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I will always believe in a son of bum defense. So I'm not getting too excited about it. Not too worried about that. This is another real pick em game. It's, I, I'm, I took the Rams because I think they'll bounce, because I think they'll bounce back from the Super Bowl. But I wouldn't be in any way. Stunned. He's taken this further back. Oh, wow. Sorry. There's just been an interception. Now there's now eight seconds left. Colorado have an interception and they're at the Nebraska 40 yard line. I, if, he got, if he got an extra 10 or 15 yards there, it would have been a field goal. Yeah, absolutely. And they would have won the game. But um, yeah, I mean, the Rams, it is all about the Super Bowl hangover. We said on the last show that teams don't recover from losing the Super Bowl except for New England last year. So. You know, that's tough. I don't think Clay Matthews is going to come in and change the face of their defence. Their offensive line, which has been their strength all the time, is getting older. And I think that's a storyline to watch as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not really a schematic or talent storyline with the Rams. It's literally a mental one. Uh, the Bengals travel to face the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, I'm not as high on the the, the, the modern... Seahawks built around Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson going from a team who were always so swag heavy and had that real attitude to a bit bland, a bit vanilla, a bit milk toast. To me, they strike me as an ultimate eight and eight team this season. But guess what? You get the Bengals in your building week one. So you're going one and oh, boys. Yeah, I mean, the, with the question with the Bengals is, is, is Zach Taylor as shambolic as a head coach as he is of being able to recruit coordinators because I still... Staggers how can me how work in the NFL. Yeah, and not be able to recruit I, I, it's it's troubling. I mean, and and I mean, I think I always think the Seahawks are going to be good because I, I really like Russell Wilson. But I, I do think the Seahawks are going to be really good. I mean, I just do. I think the only the only question mark. You just think about the year that they won the Super Bowl and how the year before there are there are a lot of parallels to be drawn about the team that won the Super Bowl. Yeah, what happened the year before, and it was similar. You know, they got to the playoffs. They had a game that they lost tight. And then these young players that they were clearly building it all around took a step forward the next year. I don't think this ilk of young players is as talented as the previous ilk. But I do think there is enough talent, especially with Clowney coming in. And, and I think Clowney's a perfect fit for that scheme as well. So I, I really like the same. I, I to be honest, I'd kind of forgotten about Clowney when I was talking about this. Maybe I'm going to give them another win or two off the back of that because that's a great trade. Is it now 10 and 6? Yeah, it's an unbelievable trade. Yeah, yeah. So. They're probably winning the NFC West. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but with the Rams situation and also the Seahawks last year, even without Clowney level talent, played the Rams really close in both of the games. Now, that's a great sign for this year when you think. You've taken a step forward. The Rams have kind of the, Yeah, the there's a nature to that division, yeah. though. Like, the 49ers have been a terrible team and still managed to beat all of those teams over the past few mm -hmm. years. So, it is... I know it's every divisional rivalry. You can look at that and say that there is an element of that. But the NFC West does feel like one where, even if you're the Cardinals, you can still run a team close. And they are what were before this season. Absolutely dreadful. Yeah. Um, the Colts going to the Chargers in one of the other late kickoffs. Two of the outsiders for the AFC. I think, I mean, everyone's an outsider for the AFC if they're not based right here in Boston, Massachusetts, <laughs> let's be honest with you. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is the Colts' storyline after Andrew Luck. And is that team that they've built around 
Luck now ready for a different quarterback uh, to be as good as we all hoped it was. I had them as my de facto AFC South favourites, and I've still picked them to win the AFC South at this point, but it's a lot tighter than it was. And then the Chargers, I mean, can you stay healthy? Can you finally deliver on what that talent has? Thing. Can you hasn't bounce? started very well. No, it really has the best player getting can, can you bounce back from the... Can you bounce back from a really rough, rough loss in the playoffs. After a, after a brilliant performance in the opening playoff game against the Ravens, they got absolutely trounced. Um, but yeah, these are two teams who I expect both to be good, but there's really intriguing elements about both of them. Yeah, I mean, the, the Chargers are so talented, but I think, they might, I think we kind of saw their ceiling a little bit last year. Um, I don't think I could ever see the Chargers going into New England and winning a playoff game. But I think they'll be a playoff team again, and certainly in the conversation. Colts, my stat the other day is now convincing me that the Colts might win the division. The thing about Brissett's year as a start, I think they led nine or ten times in the fourth quarter, going into the fourth quarter and lost all the games. You know, they're a lot more talented than that now. Um, and I love Frank Reich. One of the most fascinating matchups of the week, this. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's two good teams, isn't it, ultimately? Of, of the evening games, other than the 49ers game, this is the one I'll be paying most attention yeah. to, without doubt. Um, it's a lot of, actually, this good whack of 9pm games this week. Considering we've got a double Monday night football, there's five games in that window. Excellent for red zone viewing. Uh, the Giants going to the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. That's, the, uh, that's still the Eli Manning-led Giants. And the Cowboys... Uh, Another team who, if they're not in my top five in the NFC, probably should be. And again, yeah. if they went to the Super Bowl, I wouldn't be surprised. We're expecting potentially by the time they kick off tomorrow that they'll have Dak Prescott nailed down, as well as getting the Jalen Smith deal done, as well as getting uh, their, as well as getting Zeke Elliott back in the building and getting his deal done. Uh, that huge deal. He's now on like an eight-year contract as a running back, which might be the most Jerry Jones thing to ever happen. Yeah, I mean, it is. <laughs> But um, I just, the talent division, the talent difference between these two teams, I don't care it's a divisional rival. It's too vast for the Giants to go there. Yeah, it sure. should, I mean, it should be, yeah. The, the Giants' question mark is how quickly do the fans start calling for Daniel Jones as a start, isn't it? I mean, that's probably the only interesting element Danny of the Dimes. season. I think they've got a head coach who probably will get fired at the end of the season regardless. Um, so that's not great. The Giants are the other team who could finish with the first overall pick. Other than the Dolphins. Other than the Dolphins, yeah. Um, Cowboys are loaded. I mean, this this is the most talented Cowboys team since the mid-90s teams that won three Super Bowls. So the question is whether... I mean, they don't have Jimmy Johnson. They have they, well, Jason Garrett. Yeah, the, that's the problem. Jason Garrett, the ultimate 8 well, head Switzer coach. wasn't moving anymore <laughs> as an NFL coach, anyway. <laughs> But, but oh god he's the ultimate eight and eight coach and they do somehow often find a way to be like if antonio brown had signed for the cowboys today that wouldn't have been a shock in any way shape or form no. like other than the patriots they were the other team i could have imagined being legitimately like i could imagine them trading amari cooper away and bringing in antonio yeah. brown what is the could get amari cooper. Uh, <laughs> perfect they'd pay a third and a fifth for him <laughs> um the uh what i will say is that is the one area of this cowboys team i have concern is their pass catchers because Amari Cooper is the only one on that team who I think has that top-tier talent. Um, you know, the fact is they had to bring back a 37, 38-year-old man who had spent a year in a booth being, you know, absolutely lambasted by all of Sundry as they're apparently, according to their official depth chart, first-choice tight end. Well, I mean, he, he, 
to be fair, he's a he's a much better tight end than he is broadcaster. So <laughs> at least he's back in a position where he should be. Uh, so yeah, I just that's my only area of concern for the Cowboys. But otherwise, the way they're building around those young linebackers on the defensive side of the ball, they've actually got a pass rush. Finally, it would it would appear. Yeah, I really like this team this year as much as it pains me to say so. Uh, the Detroit Lions going to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, everyone's watching this matchup because they want to know what Kyler Murray is going to look like, what that offense is going to look like, what they did, what they held back on in preseason, which I mean, is a big part of it. Um, you know, to drafting the two receivers to get into that, to really go in on the air raid offense was obviously a huge part of that as well. That's that's really the only thing drawing my eyes to this because. You and I have both agreed on this. I don't think the Lions are a very good team this year. And the Cardinals... My, my whole Lions thing is, is kind of based on this theory that, I, that Stafford isn't healthy, which is which I've heard a few people say. Um, if Stafford's healthy, the Lions could be really good. I mean, I, I, Trey Flowers is one of my favourite players in the NFL, so I think he will vastly improve their defence. I think they did some good things in the off-season. Um, they've got Darius Slain... Snacks Harrison back on, on the programme. So there's talent. There is talent on the Lions, but it all falls apart if Stafford's not healthy. And then there's the wider question is, is Stafford that good? Like, you can't lose to every good team except for last year's game against New England and be considered a good quarterback. The San Francisco 49ers go to Tampa Bay. Your Florida theory has got me all in a tiz uh, now about this one. Uh, yeah, Bosa, Buckner, D. Ford has the potential to yeah, be does, absolutely yeah. phenomenal. I forgot about D. Ford uh, up front for the 49ers. You, when you made the claim they were better than the Jaguars, but they're still not. For, no, they, 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 I know that they're not, but there is potential there for them to be. And, I, I, and you know, what is Jimmy Garoppolo? What is he off the back of that injury? How is he going to look in that offense? They've... You know, continued to try and improve. A lot of people like Debo Samuel around the building think he's good. What does the running back room look like now that it's Tevin Coleman uh, and Matt Breeder? Matt Breeder's the better runner of the two, but Tevin, if, if they can have Breeder actually coming in as almost the, the Devonta Freeman with Coleman playing his role as they did it in Atlanta, there's enough talent on that team for it to be a good team. Yeah, and year. I mean, if Jerick McKinnon can come back probably healthy. Because when they signed McKinnon last year... I, I mean, was... he's on season-ending IR. Is he? He got put back on season-ending IR last week because the knee injury is that. in an absolute state. Uh, and yet, see, I knew, it was in a, I knew it was in a state again, but yeah. I thought he might come back. Nope. He's on season-ending uh, IR. That's so, it's horrible. That is so frustrating. Absolutely horrible. When they signed him, I thought he was just so perfect for that system. It's another story that's been buried this week yeah, amongst, I know. amongst the Antonio Brown There's nonsense and everything else. Big stuff happening. The... Um, I think Shanahan has to get it right this year, though, but I think he will. I wouldn't worry about Garoppolo throwing picks in practice. He, he's never been a good practice I, player. I've never had a problem with that. And you know, the way he turned around and said afterwards, yeah, but I take risks in practice so I know which risks are worth yeah. taking in games. That sounds like intelligent quarterbacking to me. You've worked with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady for four years. I kind of, I'm trusting your process yeah. on this one. And I still go back to that video in the post, in the of the game-winning drive against the Titans where he just took complete control of that offense. They did the NFL Films thing on it with him mic'd up. And I saw what happened there. I thought, this guy's got it up top. It's just whether it connects with the yeah. physical side of things off the back of the knee injury. And the, the, the question with him is, is health. I mean, he's played five or six games and had two major injuries. Uh, just on the other side of that, that matchup, 
I uh, there's there's probably if you had if I had to write down the five things I'm most excited to see this uh, tomorrow, uh, how Jameis Winston looks with Bruce would, Arians would, be, yeah. would be in that top five. I know we're doing a lot of top fives at the moment, but I I just think he's known him for years. He's known Winston for years. He clearly has fallen in love with the talent, and that's what gets him back in the building. And the Jameis Winston talent has never, ever been in question. So I'm really excited to see what that looks like. They, they, they lack talent on defence, but Todd Bowles, it's easy to forget his... Really prior, good coordinator. Prior to being yeah. a head coach, was, was one of the best coordinators in football. So so perhaps they can, they can outperform expectations on that side of the ball as well. Yeah, if there's a team that are going to surprise this season based on where people are expecting them to be right now, they, they could be the big one. Yeah. Undoubtedly. I've taken the 49ers as a massive homer pick, but if anyone's taken the Bucks, I wouldn't necessarily blame them for what you were saying about the the the, the travel on week one. I just think if you're going to be traveling week one somewhere like Even that. Even harder and, when you... And California's not cold. Yeah. Let's be honest. It's not like coming from the mountains of uh, yeah. of, uh, of the Great Wild but then North. But the then there's the other big wild card in, in these discussions, which is the whole West Coast to East Coast. Mm-hmm. Although mm-hmm. it's not an early kickoff, which is good news. Uh, the New England Patriots taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers right here in the great city of Boston. Uh, we are going to be at this game. We will obviously be doing Instagram stories. I'll be doing updates on talk sport and reports. We'll be in the locker room afterwards. We'll have video and everything for that for you, if that plus a podcast afterwards. Uh, the, 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 the whole Patriots conversation I think we've had about how talented they are. The Steelers is the addition of a top-tier linebacker in the is position. He a linebacker, well, yeah, that's, that's the, the yeah. Devin Bush is Devin Bush a top tier linebacker, and if he is, are we going to be proven right that in that zone scheme on defense, it was the piece they desperately needed? And have they found their man? Have they found their quarterback of their defense? Yeah, I mean, you're aware that after the joy of watching Banner number six race, a part of me is going to die inside watching Devin Bush play for the Pittsburgh Steelers because <laughs> he is easily my favourite college player of the last 10 years and he's amazing and I hope he has a great career still because I really like him even though he's he's going to be playing for the Steelers but yeah that's the question that is to me the most interesting thing I guess secondary would be um, would be how does James Washington look who I think can be one of the breakout stars of this season in the NFL I loved him in college um, Pittsburgh drafted him which means he's basically guaranteed to be a multiple All-Pro or Hall of Fame candidate by the end of his career. And and how does Juju Smith choose to look as the, the number one guy? The Patriots actually completely nullified Juju last year, if I remember rightly. Um, I mean, they, they're excellent. And, and that, was, uh, that was when Antonio Brown was on the field. I mean, their secondary is outrageously good. So uh, And they've, they're, and it's the, always been that one area that Bill Belichick has been willing to go and spend, spend big on. Yeah. yeah, and I... They were the ones who, more than any other, exemplified this idea of if you've got a team like Pittsburgh last year who have two number one quality receivers, you put your best corner on the number two guy and you double the number one guy and vice versa and switch it. They're so good at doing that. They can take away if it's just one guy. I like Vance McDonald a lot this year. I wonder what the Patriots will do over the middle in terms of pass yeah, coverage. Because I mean, in the past, that see, has been a problem for them. But again, they've got a great slot corner. They've got Yeah, they've also got George Juan Williams, who they drafted in the second round, who is a six-foot-four corner, I think they've essentially drafted to, to cover tight ends. Yeah. So I would think he, he might get a little more action in this game than you would expect. Um, 
Yeah, I think this is going to be a great game. I mean, I think the state... To me, until Antonio Brown gets on the field, which I still can't quite believe I'm saying, uh, the Patriots' offence is going to be a work in progress, and I think Pittsburgh's defence is really good. So it could be another low-scoring one. We'll talk about Texans at Saints and Broncos at Raiders as part of tomorrow's podcast. So listen out to that, which will be our reaction from Steelers Patriots. We'll maybe do five or ten minutes on just some of the big storylines from elsewhere in the league because we'll have been watching Red Zone, etc. But it's always difficult when you're traveling to a game, setting up your kit, like doing all that stuff. When it's the later game, you know, we don't experience that in England. We can, we're done by the time the games start normally with, the, yeah. uh, with our early kickoffs. But yeah, it's, we will certainly focus on the 6pm games very closely. We'll talk a little bit about those, but we're mostly Pat Steelers and looking forward to those Monday night games. And don't forget to tune in. We've got the NFL 100 podcast this week, which focuses on the San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Just a couple of big games between those two over the years as they prepare to face off in week two. And we'll have the college podcast as well, which will focus on this absolutely ludicrous game that we've been watching here. That, that Colorado have now won 34-31. An, an amazing game. Uh, a, a side note, Nebraska definitely shouldn't have been ranked before the season. I had a big argument with Simon Clancy about it next, last week and I'm about to send him a WhatsApp message. We will also be watching uh, the, uh, the, uh, the LSU-Texas game yep. coming up shortly. Uh, I saw Coach o having a little wander through so you'll be talking about that on that show. So do subscribe if you're not already a subscriber. Uh, rate, review, do all that good stuff and share it. If you like what we do, share on our social media, etc. because we do appreciate all the feedback. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show. Hi everyone, it's Dev off the radio here. We're doing a brand new podcast from Lucas Aid Sport called Running the Show. And I'm Sam Thompson from Made in Chelsea. Hey. I'll be joining Annoying slash being overly affectionate with Dev for the next 12 weeks as we both take up running for the first time. Make sure you join us on all your podcast providers to find out which one of us is killing the training and which one of us is hating every second. Probably me. 